0: Mentally or physically, success can be defined as getting up one more time after you've been knocked down over and over and over again. I'm T Wood and this is Triumph Moments where we highlight significant moments in life that are far beyond the surface to inform, encourage, and inspire people to triumph over their life's challenges. With me today I have Dr. Hopkins, which hails from Bath, North Carolina. He is the newly appointed 10th president of Voorhees College in Denmark, South Carolina. He holds a bachelor's degree in English from North Carolina Central University a Master of Arts in English from Michigan State University and a PhD in English also from Michigan State University. I tell you what, there's a tremendous amount of accolades that we could possibly sit here and announce about Dr. Hopkins, but what stands out the most about him is his passion and effect on the youth. Dr. Hopkins, President Hopkins,
1: welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so very much, my brother. I certainly appreciate um, being on your show and certainly welcome home yeah. to Voorhees College, uh, you. your alma mater. Uh, I'll start out by saying, to God be the glory, as I named the 10th president of Voorhees College. Sure. It is an honor, uh, it's a blessing, and I look forward to just serving at the helm of this magnificent institution. So I'm absolutely happy to be here.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> so I tell you what, we're gonna go ahead and just jump right on into it. And- I tell you what, what does a regular Monday through Friday day look like in the mornings for you? What, what, what is your Do you have a regimen? Is it working out? Is it coffee? Prayer? What does yes. it look like? Uh,
1: certainly, uh, um, I'll say um, humorously there is no such thing as a regular day uh. in the life of a president. Uh, however, what, what we absolutely should be concerned about is what? self-preservation okay. and making certain that we are anchored, um, that we, uh, I meditate. I pray, certainly that is a uh, morning and nightly ritual. That's how I, I can't start my day without praying and meditation. That, I absolutely have to do that. Uh, certainly shortly after that, there's some coffee. Uh, but I'll share with you what a um, sister president offered, Ruth Simmons, um, uh, who's a former president of Brown University. She said, as a new college president, you have to be really careful in order for you to serve your constituency, to be there for the students, to be there for your campus. You have to have a schedule that you can live with, not one that you're going to die from. Oh, wow. And let me help you understand, I, 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 that truly resonates with me, and I, I completely embrace that adage. Wow.
0: I think I'm going to have to take some, uh, you're going to be dropping <laughs> yes. jewels during this episode, so I'm going <laughs> to make sure I mentally take some notes here. Sure, uh, man. How would you describe your upbringing in Bath, North Carolina? Sure.
1: Um, First a little bit about Bath, North Carolina. That area is in Beaufort County, North Carolina. Bath actually is the oldest incorporated town in the state of North Carolina. Uh And so I incorporated 1705. Actually I went to uh, Bath Middle and elementary and high school. Very few on the same campus. So I was one of those old school um, campuses where K through 12 I was literally riding the same bus wow. and in the same community and, and you're too young to know about that uh, oh. <laughs> and and probably too <laughs> urban but a lot of rural communities that's how we uh, that's how we operated so uh, bath is a loving town and it is uh, so growing up uh, there was a lot of love um, in fact um, I was engaged, of course, in my church, uh, Sweet Beulah Apostolic Holiness Church of God in Christ. So, no, the whole thing, <laughs> flat the whole lot. Yes, indeed, the whole thing. So, I grew up in the church. My mother was a missionary. Um, okay. But what is unique about my family uh, to a lot of people, and they really uh, um, uh, seem to be appalled by the fact that I'm the 11th of 12 siblings by the same parents. I have Come to on, add yeah. that. No, I have to add that. The 11th of 12, by the same, by the same parents. Um, my mother probably had a 10th grade education. Wow. My father probably had an 8th grade public education. Um, but the true education that I got was their insistence upon treating people right, knowing how to love, um, and they were so encouraging as it relates to uh, education. Right. One thing you would not do is you would not talk back to teachers. you would as my mama would say, you're gonna do what those teachers tell you to do right you're you're not you're not running that school that they are and right. so would they really instill the need of um, earning an education right And that was really important. So I, I tell people, um, by federal regulations, by governmental standards, we grew up poor. we were very, very poor as it relates to um, finances, right. but the, the, the love was completely overwhelming. The family connection, I was blessed to have a mom and a dad in the same household, right. to have supportive siblings, um, to see a couple of my siblings go to college before I did. Oh. And in fact, I went to North Carolina Central because my uh, second oldest sister, Uh, my late sister Evelyn she went to North Carolina Central University and so I followed in her footsteps to North Carolina Central and um, that upbringing for me was it was really amazing I'll I'll have to admit in the school at Bath Middle Elementary and high school Mm -hmm. there was what we would call now as scholars unintentional racism so I didn't experience lynching the n-word calling and it was not direct it was it uh, or overt racism but um, as I become educated and learn how to deconstruct society Mm -hmm. um, I I reflect on my own experiences growing up and um, just a a quick story Mm -hmm. Um, I joined the choir at North Carolina Central University, the concert and touring choirs, which were amazing. And then my first semester, I went to I, I went home for Thanksgiving right. and I was sharing with my sister. Oh my God, we sang this beautiful song. It's amazing. She was like, Oh sing it for me. Oh, I was I like Live Every Voice and sing. She said, Are you kidding me? Are you telling me you don't know the the Negro national anthem? Come on. because man. of the dynasty of my family, right. actually my oldest siblings Are old enough to be my parents. Um, So so they went to, um, most of them, about half of them went to an an all-black high school and then I went to, starting in kindergarten, I went to a mixed school and it wasn't really mixed because I remember in kindergarten there were two African Americans, Calvin Weston and I. (laughs) We we were about it. So uh, that is really what I call that uh, unintentional racism because as we were, I I remember to this day, and I'm 57 years old, that in our music classes, Mm -hmm. the music teacher, and I love music, I love singing, but I remember to this day the verses of Dixie, so why in the world is this 57-year-old African-American male under know the lyrics to Dixie and then went to college not knowing, lift every voice That's and sing? See, That's right. unintended. It's, a, it's an agenda that was presented at the uh, at my school. But certainly, again, it was, I, I think, unintended, unintended. And I think there was a level of, um, certainly, um, uh, unconsciousness that, that they had.
0: It is so interesting that you point that out. Could you relate that to... Look at where we are right now, mm-hmm. and I'm noticing there's more information and celebration of Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. In my upbringing, sure. I, I wasn't told anything about sure. it. I, I mm-hmm. don't recall it. Do you? Do mm-hmm. you recall? No,
1: absolutely not. No, we no, absolutely See. not. Not until recent uh, recent years uh, was I educated about Juneteenth, mm-hmm. and so again, that whole selection. what is presented in public school it really is important and this whole debacle over um, critical race theory in this country and people uh, getting really upset and even African Americans saying we don't need that it really is problematic because we do Um, do. uh, even currently there is a an absence of uh, true African American history, uh, African, the impact of, of Af- the, the continent of Africa right. on the development uh, of this country. So critical race theory is really important. And, and sometimes it, we get into the discussion about discussion of, of uh, black studies and that kind of thing. Uh, but um, even from an Afrocentrist perspective, black studies doesn't mean you don't study everybody else. Right. In fact, from an, an Afrocentrist. Right. Perspective. That's exactly what you do. You examine everyone's culture. Double However, score. you begin with your own, right. and uh, and it that's seems to be so problematic when we have to um, deconstruct and share our own experiences. And again, even among uh, American Africans, there is a problem with us discussing our history. And, uh, and we are still damaged. I think from enslavement, we are damaged by a lot of systems that that. Um, gone on in the U.S. and we have a lot of work to do to overcome it.
0: Absolutely uh, mm-hmm. and when you think about and, and just switching lanes here when you think about you know throughout your collegiate studies mm-hmm. when you take a
1: look at it what sparked your pa- passion you know to study English what sparked mm-hmm. that passion sure sure well i'm going to hop back to my growing up and uh, my uh, family will they'll laugh and talk about me when we have um um, reunions and we get together and have fun and they'll say they knew everybody knew uh, that i was going to be an educator wow because um we used to play games cops and robbers we used to play all kinds of games and but we played this game called teacher and every time we played teacher and then what we would do we would assume a classroom i would get really really upset if i couldn't be the teacher oh I was man be, i was gonna be the teacher now let me tell you that and i was about four or five years old then but i was going to be the teacher and oh. <laughs> so that's when it started and then actually so i promise you uh, as long as i can remember i knew i would be an educator the, the question became uh, as i was graduating from high school and deciding to go to college. Uh, what would I major in and what would I teach right. and uh, some of my really good um, mentors uh, gosh Miss Allie Good um, uh, uh, some of the wonderful teachers um, um, Miss Morgan uh, certainly my second grade teacher Miss, Miss Baker she was one of the only wow. african-american teachers that I had from K through 12. From K, K through 12, 12. So, and, and so that's why uh, we talk about I talk, I talk about the unintentional racism right. uh, because she she did it beautifully. She impacted me, and I'll tell you the story before I continue on my educational um, trajectory. Mm-hmm. But Miss Baker, second grade African American teacher, um, and, and as I said, the high school, middle school, all on the same campus, right. but we'd have to walk across the street to go to the cafeteria in the high school. I'll never forget the day that she uh, had us lined up like little ducklings behind her, going to the cafeteria in the high school building. And there was a bulletin board that said National Vocation Week. And it had maybe a white nurse, a white police officer, a white teacher, and then it had a black maid. And mind you, my mother was a domestic worker at times, and so there's nothing wrong with, an individual being a domestic worker right. is at the exclusion right. of the other possibilities right. so why was there not a black teacher right. why was there not a black lawyer etc and that was a point that she was making so literally she ripped the the poster off the board ripped it and marched the whole class down to the principal's office and discarded the board and I remember to this say her saying we're more than maids we're more than made to this day that that impacts me i mean it's riveting for me and and for um for my for my whole experience and and seeing the world um so as i decided where i was going to go to college Mm -hmm. and North Carolina Center was it uh, my sister was very influential then i wanted to decide what i was going to major in and teach because i knew i was going to teach then my um, my mentors, namely English and Journalism teachers said, you're so wonderful in English and Journalism and you love these courses, why uh, why don't you major in English? So I majored in English at North Carolina Central. And yeah. So that's how I got to the point of um, deciding I would go into English education. Um, uh, because I, I really enjoyed reading and uh, writing and acting and all that go, go, goes together. Uh, with with uh, that profession, and that's how I selected that.
0: Now with the transition, you went from, let's say, uh, from North Carolina to Michigan.
1: Actually, I went from North Carolina Bath to North Carolina Central, where I, I did my undergrad, so I was there, uh, and then I actually went directly, and this is the impact. When we talk about HBCUs Come and on what on. we can do for people, uh, and again, it was wonderful that, that my my career aspiration was to become an English teacher. Mm. Coming from this small town in Bath, North Carolina, yeah, I can do that. I got to North Carolina State University and for the first time was around um, a predominantly African-American student body. For the first time I had predominantly African-American professors. For the first many, time. For the very first time in my life. So K through 12, one African-American teacher uh, from K through 12, Ms. Baker. Um, so at North Carolina Central University, it was just, it, it opened up a whole new world for me, a whole new world of uh, Black intelligentsia, Come which on. was really important for me and the support that I got from my uh, department and those professors, they pushed me and pushed me. And and to the point that in my freshman year, I got the highest GPA of any freshman in the English department and I got an award for that. They kept pushing me to submit um, essay for essay contests. And then by the end of my four years at North Carolina Central, my mentors, uh, Dr. Kennedy, Dr. Sanders, uh, Dr. Perry, uh, they encouraged me to you go to graduate great. school. Oh, very well. Oh, absolutely. I will never, I will never forget them. I will never, absolutely never forget them. Um, they encouraged me to go to graduate school. Right. They said, you know, I, we know you want to teach English and you want to teach public school. That's wonderful. But we have a fellowship that we want to nominate you for at the University of North Carolina at Chapel wow. Hill. And I was like, wow, graduate school and, and the, Uh, unique thing about it is the fellowship was to go directly into a PhD program so it wasn't even a master's program so they nominated me I uh, submitted the application I wrote the letter and was accepted to UNC Chapel Hill uh, directly into their English PhD program so that was absolutely overwhelming for me. It was a wonderful, uh, wonderful experience. Um, in fact, when I was there, um, you might remember J.R. Reed. He used to play for the yeah. University of North Carolina. Yeah. So it was so interesting. Uh, we had a class that was not um, He was an undergrad, of course, at the time, but we had a class uh, not far from each other. So I would see him like a couple of times a week. I was like, wow, that's that dude's a celebrity. <laughs> um, so i was there probably two years and i decided that i would go on leave right. and then go to the public school and teach because okay. i hadn't taught right um, officially so i did um, go into public school teaching and that was amazing that was a wonderful experience um, and again the different ronnie hopkins is just unique about me i taught in a traditional middle school traditional high school but my most impactful experience was teaching in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, at um, what, what they call uh, a school for excluded students. And of course you know what that means. Yeah. It's a school for predominantly African-American students right. who've been kicked out. Right. The system, right. they developed the system so that the, actually the uh, district, instead of having students Dropout. Right. There was a special school that they would try to redeem them. So, and in some cases, some of these students had the opportunity to either come to my school or go to jail. So, yeah, a it's judge. Same. It was judge ordered. So you can either spend time in reform school or you can go to the school. So it was mandated. It was mandated for wow. many of them. Many of them were, of course, gangbangers. Many of them. Um, it was the most impactful experience of my life just changing, I think, some of the, the um, being there for those students and letting them know that I cared about them, really teaching It's not them. easy. It's not easy, no, but my first day, I had a knife thrown at the at my board. Come on. I mean, of course, I was a scare tactic and I was scared. Uh, let's <laughs> I was, be honest. <laughs> I'm, let's I'm, I'm gonna be honest. Any, anytime <laughs> you have a knife thrown
0: at you, let's I was be scared. not Superman. I let's turned be
1: to them and I wore the mask and I said, let me tell you one thing, whoever threw that knife, I'm not worried about you, because you'll be gone far earlier uh, than I. Right. Of course, I again, I was saying that trembling. I didn't want, never let them see you sweat though. Never let them see you sweat. I started a choir. I started a um, creative writing club. I, uh, I taught um, uh, um, courses in Shakespeare, which was required for, for the students, right. and I allowed them to analyze Shakespeare from a perspective of using RAP and using, and so combining that, they it was amazing. And the frustration I had, the, the biggest frustration that I had um, was when I was observed by a district um, official. Every teacher in the district had to be observed by a district kind official. Kind of
0: micromanaged, would you say,
1: or just? Well, not micromanaged, they simply come in and okay. they literally watch you teach and then they they wow. they actually check to see if you presented the purpose of the day the objective of the day how many students are engaged so so they're assessing your quality of teaching catch gotcha. the gentleman uh, the white gentleman who uh, so you meet afterwards and you talk about it and he said wow i can't believe you were able to instruct in this environment in the manner that you did and i was like you know i connect i i the, these are my students right um we, we have this special relationship. The thing that really, really um, put, uh, put me in a place um, that I was not comfortable is when he said to me, gosh, you're too good to teach here. I said, how dare you? How dare you say that? I am here because these students need me. And, and, and furthermore, who else would, would spend time engaging with these students? And again, literally, gangbangers. Right. Um, so I'll, I'll tell a quick story. Um, at the time, uh, I don't know if you remember the um, starter jacket, but the Charlotte oh. Hornets, was, oh, yeah. they were new. It was a new team in Charlotte right. and they had a They had a um, starter jacket. It was really popular and only, it was very expensive and only a few people had them. Right. So I remember one student at my school who had one and uh, of course you know some of the dudes are like that's gonna be mine I mean that was the mentality See? you know you got that but it's gonna be mine and they stole it See? he happened to know who stole it and he went to the home um, of the student who stole it and was shot to death trying that's to right. go back and get his own but those are the that's another that, one other story about I, what we need to do to pour into um, our students yeah. that sometimes are thrown away right uh, one student right. I, I of course being in my teacher mode I, I gave him the teacher stare right that's such a thing the teacher it's, stare it's is real. Such a real thing is real and it's effective see and so he still didn't get it so I went over and I tapped his desk he was exhausted he still didn't get up and I was like you you need to stay after class and we had a conversation and, and it's to this day, it's just, again, it's riveting for my spirit and my soul to just know that we have individuals in our community going through this thing. And he went, so he, sh- he opened up to me to say, you know, my mom was in the streets. He, he was very clear that she was a crackhead and very clear that she was a prostitute. Right. I had to look, o- look out for my, my little sister last night and I'm just tired, man, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, well, what did you have to eat? He was like, well, you know, we had a can of corn, but because we didn't have any electricity, we had to eat. They ate a can corn. of cold right. corn, yeah, yeah. he and his little sister. Right. Um, right. And so then you have someone come in telling you that you're too good right. to be a model, to be right. a role model and to care about these individuals. Absolutely right. unacceptable
0: absolutely i tend to say this uh, a lot um i truly believe what you might agree with as long as we keep just living just keep living sure at some point in time you're going to run into challenges in your life
1: Mm -hmm.
0: can you think of anything that you overcame in your life or even you just found a way to cope with it Mm -hmm. sure that you might it could have been through your upbringing or anything is there anything that kind of stands out to you in Mm -hmm. your life that you might have survived or made it through or mm-hmm. anything of that sort? Sure.
1: Uh, I would say probably overcoming the the mentality of poverty mm-hmm. because it's real. Wow. It, it, poverty is real. I mean, wow. <laughs> yes. Um, and fortunately, again, I'll go back to my wonderful late parents, um, missionary Molly Lee Windley Hopkins and Charlie Augusta Hopkins, senior, they instilled so much love in us wow. and Instilled um, in all of our, all of my siblings, and all of our family, that we could achieve whatever we wanted to right. achieve. But it doesn't happen to in every family that's poverty stricken. Uh, sometimes there is this uh, just this mentality of woe is me. Um, right. uh, the government's not giving me X Y Z, and I can't get a job. And we're having these problems, and I can't get over it. But I, I think um, I was able to overcome it, even living in. Uh, in a situation where we were very, very poor, um, and, and it's just funny because I had in graduate school one of my colleagues in African uh, at Michigan State. Um, he's a, he's an historian, and we talked about poverty and, and the black community. And he said, "Well, the interesting thing, Ron, is you know uh, when I was growing up, and we grew we grew up poor, but I didn't know it. I'm like brother, I knew it. I was like, I don't know where, I don't know, where, I don't know what poor you were in right. that you didn't know you were poor. Right. But I knew I was poor because we didn't have perhaps the attire that other people had. Right. Uh, sometimes we had worn jackets or that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Uh, but what we did have." Uh, my parents instilled you take care of what you do have. So we didn't have the best brick house and all that kind of thing. We didn't have all. We didn't have the best. Car, but what we had, we were taught to take care of. Come on, and that's extremely important. So I, I believe to this day, God presented this life for me and this trajectory for me because I think I can speak to people. I was like, I don't wanna hear it. Don't tell me you don't have money to do this or you think that you're poor and you cannot. Let me tell you about poor. Uh, I think we may have been, I'm not, uh, perhaps I was in the 11th grade before we got a telephone. We didn't have a telephone in the household. Um, I was probably in middle school before we got running water in the household. So when I tell you poor, I mean rural, absolute, um agronomy poor that's that's uh that's that's how we work
0: and i want to make sure that our listeners our followers understand i can't let it get glossed over what you're saying knowing that you are in a situation physically Mm -hmm. at the end of the day if you are able to find something within yourself mentally Mm -hmm. to put yourself in the right place you can bring yourself through it Mm -hmm. You can learn something from it. And all the positive things that you just said from what you went through, you're able to share it right now and be a leader amongst the youth and and, and as we move forward. You know, if we had to um, think of something that either that you live by, um, I have something I call encouragement for free. (laughs) All right. What is something for all of our listeners that you can Mm -hmm. provide of some encouragement for free Mm Uh, whether it be something that we talked about, a creed that you live by, sure. something that you've always been told by your parents, is this something
1: that stands out that you can provide right now for encouragement? Sure. Um, I will start with being spiritual. That 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 is really what motivates me and keeps me going. And uh, so, uh, clearly, um, I, I believe that all things happen, I, I mean, uh, that, that you're able to accomplish anything with, with God. If you put God first, and you are truly able to accomplish anything. Um, And uh, I also like the adage, um, as for me and my house, uh, we will serve the Lord. That is truly how how I am anchored. Uh, As it relates, something for everybody, I think, is wherever you are in life that you should continually assess because we can all get better. Uh, We can all. And and so I would say um, um, that probably I would encourage everyone to, assess where you are, and continually move to the next level of excellence. That's that's where, that's where what you've gotta do. Don't be uh, complacent, don't be content with wherever you are, because unless you, wherever you are in life, and you may be successful, but if you're not able to impact other people and uplift Come. other people oh, and Chris bring Hopkins. them, then you're not where you need to be. So truly, just getting to that next level of excellence, right. or just, just, I, I think, um, that's some encouragement for everybody. Oh, come on now. Yeah.
0: Look at here. It's, it's, it's so funny. We tend to, many times, we tend to think that we might have reached a certain level. Mm. We still can't sit there. You said something that's so key. We've got to continue to assess. Yes. Got to, we can't just sit that's, idle. Right. That's right. Right. Exactly. So President Ford, uh, President Harper, i got to let you know that I'm grateful that you're a part of the Triumph Monster Team with family. Um, uh, we actually hope to, you know, have some some more inspiration somewhere down the road to have you on the show again somewhere down the road. Absolutely, um, you know that you can reach out to in anything you need. Um, I just thank you, thank you, thank you um, for you know coming on the show. Is there anything? If anyone wants wants to, uh, well, better yet, there are some youth out there mm-hmm. that are considering attending an HBCU. Sure. What would you say are some things that stand out about Voorhees College sure. for a parent having her child, sure. you know, to attend
1: attend the college? Absolutely. Uh, first I would say Voorhees College, soon to be Voorhees University, is absolutely the place for any student. Um, who is coming out of high school, who wants to come to a place where they'll be embraced and move to another level. It's a place where we provide exceptional education for adult learners who want to uh, either come to our traditional environment or we have all of our academic programs online. So you can study uh, all across the country or the world. Uh, and, and get a degree, a quality degree from right. Voorhees College. It's it's really, truly, uh, we we have several um, mantras, and one that I'm sure you remember when you were here. But they are really true. That Voorhees College is a place that changes minds oh, and changes lives. We truly that's what we do. We want people to come here and and leave uh, better individuals. Uh, and this has uh, actually been um, we've been uh, we've gotten an, an accolade from uh, US News and World Report, uh, out of all the southern institutions in the country, Voorhees College last year was named the 10th in Come social mobility. Come on so now. So important. The 10th in the, in all, su- all southern institutions, the 10th in social mobility. So that we are intentional about your coming here, leaving a, a highly educated person, but with the understanding is that too much is given. Much is, to whom much is given, much is required. And we expect you to take that into the community. So um, certainly we've moved now to um, embrace this mantra that Voorhees College is a place where you can begin. Yep. We want you to come here and begin uh, your career and certainly believe that you can achieve whatever you want because that's what we're going to, uh-huh. we are going to believe, already we believe in our students and want them here and they will become whatever their hearts desire. Uh-huh. And, and not just fictitiously. We actually intentionally provide a career pathway so that they are engaged when they come in job shadowing, internships, so that they um, uh, world travel so we we do a lot of uh, international travel for our students uh, so we want to engage them uh, so we truly um, are not just saying come here and and by happenstance you're going to become that in that professional right. but we have a team of faculty staff uh, um, that actually direct those students to uh, their career during that makes and, sense. and again I'll go back to my, my point and and certainly uh, highlight the point we want these students to go to their next level of excellence
0: look I can't echo that sentiment enough and I'll say this before we leave here you know I remember uh, Coming and you know, attending Voorhees, I had no intentions of going for my master's. Wow. I came before Voorhees, I, I came from a uh, where I was the minority. Let's say that I was a minority, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. I literally walked in the doors and they wrapped, they o- opened up their arms yes. and wrapped it around me. And the love and the friendships that I have today, still, we're sitting here right now, you Absolutely. know, and, and it's yes. a blessing. So I echo that. Um, it's a blessing to have you on here, President Hopkins. I thank you. Um, is there any other words that you'd like to share um, with uh, with all of our followers? Anything?
1: Well, just, uh, I, I would like to, um give living proof of what Voorhees College does and that will oh, be you. Man. I am I'm I'm Appreciate so uh, it's a pleasure to meet you. You oh. are certainly a an amazing son of Voorhees College oh, and man. so uh, so I don't I don't have much um I don't, I don't have much to say about the impact Voorhees College will have. Shh. Just look just look at our host. Oh, <laughs> so Appreciate we just thank you for coming home because that is so important. Is. Not to forget your home and we expect you to come home more often.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Look at here, sometimes in life, you must fail in order to succeed. But one thing's for sure, you never, ever, ever give up. It's Triumph for who team with. Thank you, President
1: Hopkins. My pleasure.